Hawks Live. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle. Brought to you by Mac and Jack's Brewing Company. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Paul Moyer. You're listening to Hawks Live from Lumenfield every Thursday at 7 o'clock on 710 ESPN. It's me, Michael Bumpus, and my guy, Paul Moyer. Paul, it's, it's been a weird week, man. Yeah. It, you know, the Hawks played a game that we thought they were going to win. We're thinking they're going to get into this four-game stretch. Boom, get it done. And they stumble. They stumble against a team that we didn't expect them to stumble against. But when you look at that defense, you look at the things that they did, then you look at our offense and the things that they did, it makes sense. But when you say New York Giants, the 4-7 and seven New York Giants, you just think the Hawks are going to take care of business and get things done. Tip your cap to the Giants. They did some good things. But I also feel like the offense didn't have their best day. I felt like the defense had a pretty good day. I felt like special teams had a good day. It's been a couple weeks now. This offense doesn't look like the offense that we're used to seeing your first impressions. It's bottom line business, so no one had a good day, right? It's a team game. Um, we haven't changed. You know, we're, I'm just going to talk some people off the ledge on this. Giants had won three games in a row. They were in first place in NFC East. Everybody just looked at the record four and seven and said, okay, they're starting quarterbacks out. They, they have no shot of beating the Seahawks. We yeah. we knew better. We knew that it was going to be a very hard game for us to score points. That Just the way they play defense. They're not giving up big plays. They're going to force you to be patient. Yep. They talked about it. Shoddy talked about it. You know, R- Russell talked about it. Sometimes you go in with intentions and um, – to a game, it, it doesn't play out that way. The Giants are actually a good, really well-coached football team. They're sound. Also, now they're not turning the ball over. That's four games in a row. I think they have one turnover or two. I, you know, Pete talks about it all the time. I, it, it was disappointing because it was a game we didn't have to play great to win. Mm-hmm. We just needed to play Smart football, take what they give us. We're out, up five nothing. Um, you know, defensively, I thought we played. I think we played well now. Four and a half games. We're. I think we're now the defense we think we were uh, coming into the season. But at the same time, look, third quarter. This is why I said no one had a good game. You're up five to nothing. This is a game you have to absolutely outplay their defense. You have to. And that means maybe either uh, create some scoring opportunities, turnovers, whatever. You may have to throw a shutout. It happens sometime. And we had a lull, two drives in a row, the the big 60-yard run, which was really poorly played. That's just fact of life. Uh, And then again, we gave up another 23-yard run that wasn't played very well. And and the rest is history. It's just too hard in, this, in the NFL to try and come from behind double digits. Yeah, and then I look at Russell Wilson. He threw the ball forty three times. Too many. If you too many times, I'm with you. But if you do mm-hmm. throw the ball forty three times, I expect more than two hundred sixty three yards and one touchdown. I think that if you are going to go that route, and there needs to be more productivity. Now they were down, so you're going to say, okay, he was forced or Shadi forced him to throw the football. And then I look at the offensive scheme. Now Shadi came out today and said they wish they would have made adjustments earlier. I agree one hundred percent with him, and I respect him for coming out and saying that. I'm looking at these concepts more. And I'm like, everything is 10, 15 yards down the field. They're playing too high, man. And these DBs play. I was on Twitter, and some guy's like, Bob, it's not about the DBs. It's all about what the Hawks are doing. Yes, the Hawks contributed to it. But you can't knock what these DBs were doing. They were on these receivers' hips, and they were doing what you've been asking our defense to do all year, which is reroute. Those linebackers did a great job of rerouting guys and taking Russell's eyes 
off of them. Now, I felt Russell was focusing on DK to make the big play, and you can't blame him for doing that because they've had a lot of success with Russell locking in on DK and them making the big play. But at some point, it's like, all right, let's let's go off of DK. Now, the DK is 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 taking a corner and a safety with him. That means there's space elsewhere. So. I'm hoping, and I think they are, they're going to look at that film and say, okay, we need to be able to see what's going on and make adjustments quicker. doesn't mean you change your game plan, but there's something within your game plan to counter what they're doing. Okay, let's take what he said and let's dissect that a little bit. Let's do it. Let's read between the lines. So he said, I wish we had adjusted quicker. Man, we all saw what they were doing, right? I mean, they were playing a deep shell defense. Uh, they weren't going to give up the big play. They'd only given up 24, 5, you know, 20-yard plays or more all year. They were one of the best in the league. They'd only given up five plays of 40 yards or more all year. They were, I think they were top three in that. So we, we knew that was going to be difficult. Yeah. So is that shoddy saying I should have adjusted our – our routes and what we called, or was that him saying we Russell should have been in his ear more saying, Hey, let's, let's get the ball out quick. Let's, let's dump the ball off. Cause I, I'd read something and I hate doing this where I don't have all the facts that the average time held uh, last, it was like over three seconds. Yeah. And that's a long time. So he's hanging on to the football. So what did you read from what shoddy said there? Cause you know, Every good coach, and Rashadi's a good coach. Yeah, we know what's going on. You're in the ear, you know. Of, hey, we we gotta we gotta make some adjustments here. So, what'd you hear? I think it's both. I think he's like, look, maybe I should have called different plays, but I also saw some downfield concepts to where the back was leaking out and he was open, or they did have like a a, a hitch or an out on one side of the field, and I felt Russell just fell in love. With the big play. That's where he made his money. He throws the best deep ball in the game. So why not fall in love with it? So I think Shadi's like, look, maybe I should have called more short game concepts. But within these concepts I'm calling, what I'd say half of the time, there's there's an outlet for Russell. And Russell wasn't looking for the outlet. And may, is that Russell feeling like he needs to make these big plays for this team again? Or is it, or is it he feels like, because of the play that's being called, I have to go this direction. Because cause there are plays as an offense, you hear a play called. And when I was at Wazoo, it was, uh, it was uh, doubles 4X. Doubles 4X, I knew, look, I'm running this seam to get my guy on the outside open. I'm going to threaten this linebacker, hold this safety. We're going to go here. Nine times out of ten, we went there and it was successful. But there was you come across some teams who game plan for that. And now that dig's not going to be open. You have to go to the check down. So it's, there's a lot of stuff going on with this offense. I don't think the line had their greatest game. You had your fourth string right tackle in the game. Uh, your, you had Upati who was there for a minute, then he was injured and he was out. There's a lot of moving pieces. There's Chris Carson, who I felt should have touched the football a bit more. It's not like they lost by a lot more, 12 12 to 17, not like they were down a lot. So um, you got to re- recalibrate. You got to get back. Okay, what, what, what do we want to do? And if this game plan doesn't work, how do we adjust off of that? But now my question to you is, tell me about this defense, man. Is this, is this defense right now, are they performing like a top 15 defense? So before I get to that, I'm, again, I want to talk everybody off the ledge. Remember, we still have great wide receivers. We still have a really good offensive line. Yep. We got a couple running backs. Now, Chris Carson's getting healthier. That and again, I think Chris Carson's top three, four running backs in the league. We got a really good coaching staff. This is a game of adjustments. You know, we the, the Giants gave us something that was new. 
And so it's not the players, it's not the coaches, it's not the scheme. It is about adjusting. And I think Shoddy was right in that, hey, they were doing stuff to us, and they were doing some stuff where they were sliding the backside corner. Mm -hmm. They were rotating and saying, we're going to take away three-quarters of the field or two-thirds of the field, and we're going to dare Russell to go find it backside. And there were times where I saw Ty Lockett running down the sideline. There was nobody guarding him. Not that it was going to be a home run, uh, and maybe it wasn't always him, but – that's where, okay, wherever his progression is, that's where he needs help from shot. He said, hey, okay, here's what they're doing. I, it, what I would, if they came to me and say, hey, Paul, okay, wh- what would you do? Mm-hmm. I would say, make the defense move. Start doing some things where you stop, start. Where, instead of running through zone, stop and re- re- redirect. You've got to get them to change direction. And the other thing is, a pump fake is so big. Yeah. I mean, you pump, because look, I'm on my toes. I'm ready to go. I'm feeling the rush as a secondary and linebacker. I'm feeling it. Do I break on this route? Do I break? Okay, I'm seeing Russell. Now, just a quick pump fake, just a look, and then come all the way backside. It always pulls a safety over. You will find mismatch. You'll find separation there. So that's my, my part on, let, on let the me, offense. Let me go, go off that real quick. To, to add to that, I think that Russell needs to get to what can come open first. What what can come up? Because you can always get to that that post comeback or that post curl. What can come open right now versus man? If my guy's running out right there, boom, let me take a peek. Now what does that do? That moves the safeties as well. Then that helps that deep route come open. So, yeah, I'm with you. And, and you remember that one route. To, it was a deep comeback by DK Metcalf. And that was a long route. And it was on, it was on the offense's left side, defense's right. And, you know, to their credit, they, they played, played, played him tough too. But there was that double move. Moves and not just double move, slant and go. It was I'm I'm coming back for the for the deep comeback. So defensively, real quick, um, I, I just feel like we're having fun yeah. for the first time, mm-hmm. you know, this year. And I would even say we've had fun the last three or four weeks. I think people finally know their their roles. We're playing aggressive, a physical defense, playing much tighter in coverage. So. Uh, you know, contesting those short to intermediate routes. I'm, I, I always say you got that's a fine line because they're working behind you too, right? Yep. So you got to feel the rush. Do I do I crowd that? Do I get some depth? Uh, Jamal Adams has, has become that special player. We knew he was coming here. He's he's getting healthy. That shoulder's almost a hundred percent now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I I think, and we'll talk about this later. Actually, I'm gonna save that because I I think it's the next four games. Who do you? We'll save this for talk the talk. But who do you think will outplay the the others? Will, will the defense be the leader of the pack the next four game? Will it be the offense? Okay. And it is for us to even have this conversation right now to even bring this as a subject is crazy. What we saw the first <laughs> half of the year, yeah. we were on pace for the worst defense in history. By the way, we're thirty first. Thirty first. We're no longer dead last, and no. that is us climbing out of a hole. No longer dead last. Texas at seventeen and seventeen. Tell us what you think. But we're talking you off the edge. Hawks will be fine. Me and Paul Moyer believe that. We'll cover them next. We'll dive into the Seahawks Week 14 opponent with Dan Leverfield from the Jets. Confidential right here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live. Brought to you by Mac and Jack's Brewing Company. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle. Every Thursday right here on 710 ESPN. It's me, Michael Bumpus, with Paul Moyer. This is Hawks Live from Lumen Field. And right now, we get to talk to Dan Leverfeld. How you doing, sir? Good, Michael. How you doing? You know, we're hanging in there. Again, I feel like we say this all the time because we play a lot of East Coast games this year, but we appreciate you staying up and making time for us, man. 
Yeah, anytime, no, Michael and Paul. Yeah, no, no question. Thank you, man. <laughs> I, I hate doing this to you because you, you guys are haven't won a game, and it'll feel like some of these questions may be negative. They're not, um, but let's just start out. Any surprise, you know, Greg Williams? I mean, perception, reality is perception so critical in this game. You know, I said as soon as that play happened, I go, you know, either Case or Williams is being fired the next day, and, and sure enough, happens. But were you surprised at it? No, I wasn't surprised. Uh, some people might say, well. Why is Gase still employed and Williams isn't? Well, it's very simple because the owner, Christopher Johnson, is not one to fire coaches in season and name interim coaches. The Johnson brothers, Christopher and Woody, have owned the team for 20 years, and they never fired a coach in season and went with an interim. But Greg Williams works for Adam Gase, and Adam Gase doesn't have any issue firing people. He fired a trainer. Um, he uh, also fired a scout. So the point is, it all depends on how you look at it. Adam Gase fired an assistant. The owner who doesn't fire coaches in season really had nothing to do with it. All right, Dan, we got Frank Bush who's taking over for Greg Williams. Now, I don't expect him to reinvent the wheel and have a whole different defense out there, but can you give us some type of insight of who Frank Bush is as a coach and his scheme? Yeah, Frank Bush um, has been an assistant coach in the NFL for a long time. He was a a promising linebacker coming out of, I believe, NC State. And then a year in, he had a neck condition that forced him to retire. So he jumped into coaching in his 20s. Uh, He's been around quite some time, usually as a linebacker coach. Uh, He had one brief stint as the Houston Texans defensive coordinator. So he did call plays for a couple of years early on with the Houston Texans. He is a guy that's been around Greg Williams a long time. So he's going to stick with the same playbook. He might call it a little differently. Obviously he wouldn't call that all out blitz late in the game that got Greg Williams fired, but so a similar style and he'll put his own personality on it, but the playbook will stay the same. You know, it's interesting. You, you you watch the film. I'm watching the game uh, last night and today against the almost said Oakland, uh, the Las Vegas Raiders. And you know, I'm watching them. The Jets. I go. You know, they're they're not bad. You know, they ran the ball well. You know, Sam Darnold. You can see that he still has uh, definitely some skill to that. Uh, you know, sometimes you, you you look at just the execution of things where you go, oh, man, they ran into each other. You know, sometimes you know, I go, they ran a trap, and I go, oh, God, you didn't run it wide enough. You know, but, but a little bit better execution of that. But so is is it purely a talent issue, or do you do you think this has a lot to do with coaching? Well, I think that um, it's a combination. I think the offensive line is is decent. You saw that in the Raiders game where they really ran the ball effectively against that Raiders defense. And I think when you look at the, the big issues that have contributed to their current record, I would say pass defense and the quarterback play. Uh, Sam Darnold has not had a great year. I know some people would argue he doesn't have the best supporting cast, but you know, recently he, he did get back some of the key players in terms of guys they were really uh, focused on in the passing game. When you look at Denzel Mims and you look at Rashad Perryman, so those guys came back. But Sam Darnold just turns the ball over too much. 
and and it's hard to win and sustain drives that way. On the season, five touchdowns, nine interceptions, so that's not a good stat. And then you look at the secondary. The secondary is a big problem. They don't have the corners they need. Uh, they're starting a bunch of guys that probably wouldn't start for any other team, including that poor kid Lamar Jackson who got victimized on the, the touchdown pass by Henry Ruggs that lost the Jets to game. But Lamar Jackson is an undrafted free agent out of Nebraska who – some weren't even convinced it was an NFL corner. Some thought he'd move to safety, doesn't have the best speed. So they're playing a lot of corners right now that other teams wouldn't play. So I expect Seattle to make a lot of hay in the passing game. Most teams do against this Jets secondary. You, you mentioned Sam Darnold, and I, I know you probably haven't asked this a bunch, but they're, they're more than likely going to get the number one pick. And you, know, you got Lawrence available there. Do they, they trade Darnold next year? And if they do, I mean, is he, is he a first, second-round pick to trade? Uh, I don't know what they would get in return considering the way he's playing this year. I think that Sam Darnold needs to go to a team like the one that's on TV right now, the Los Angeles Rams. He needs to play for a play caller who is – really, really good at the chess game and can dial up a lot of good first reads. Because one of the problems with Sam Darnold, and Jared Goff is the same problem, but McVay's so brilliant with his play calling that he can mask some of Goff's shortcomings. That's the kind of coach that Sam Darnold needs to play for because he's not great at going through his progressions. He's not great uh, as far as uh, reading defenses. So he'd have to go to a team that's, that's pretty good at dialing up first reads. So Sam Darnold, if the Jets get the first pick, I would say there's a 95% chance they're going to pick Trevor Lawrence and they're going to trade Sam Darnold. I think they probably will end up getting a middle-round pick for Sam Darnold. Dan, i got to ask you about the OG Frank Gore. One, it, mm. he suffered a concussion last week. Should we expect to see him this week? And two, are you getting what you thought you would get out of him this year? Well, that's kind of a bone of contention with Jet fans because – they have all these young backs, and Frank Gore is still the starter, 37 on an 0 and 12 team. So, a lot of people scratching their head over that. He's got that strong relationship with Adam Gase going back to Miami, uh, and then you look at the situation where last week the fans were clamoring for younger backs to get a chance, and I'm not sure how much of a chance they would have received if it wasn't for the unfortunate Frank Gore concussion. And then you had a couple of young backs go in and play really, really well. And, and both run all over the Raiders. And a lot of people are like, you know what? The only reason that happened was because Frank Gore, unfortunately, suffered a concussion. And Adam Gase is a little stubborn when it comes to using Frank Gore uh, because of their relationship. And you know, maybe a little bit is, is legacy-related as far as every time Frank Gore carries the football, he moves up some kind of list as far as all-time running backs. So – It'll be interesting to see what they do this week. Now that those uh, two young running backs, Josh Adams at a Notre Dame, who used to be with the Eagles, and Ty Johnson, who was with the Lions, they claimed him on waivers early this year, and he went for 100 yards against the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. So the only reason those guys played a lot was because of the Gore injury. Now will we'll, uh, the head coach, Adam Gase, change his approach and say, you know what, I can't give Frank Gore the majority of the carries. The whole Jet fan base has seen we have other talent here. Why are we doing this with the 37-year-old back at 0-12? We're visiting with Dan Leberfield with the Jets Confidential. We we have uh, 
We have uh, Jamal Adams. And look, Jamal's been model citizen here and great teammate, busting his tail, finally healthy. Seven and a half sacks, missed four games. You know, he's really starting to be a, a productive player. What, what, what are we missing? I mean, what, what happened there that maybe things that, you know, aren't necessarily said that, you know, in the national media? Because uh, he, he is one heck of a playmaker. I think it was about the contract. I know that he's still playing on his rookie deal with Seattle. But with the Jets, he didn't want to continue with them unless he got a new contract. He felt and his agent felt that the GM had promised them a new deal. The GM said that never happened. There was obviously some miscommunication. So while he is playing on his rookie deal with Seattle, I don't think he ever would have played on his rookie deal with the Jets. So he basically ran a scorched earth campaign, if you want to call it that, on social media with the New York Daily News and ripped uh, the GM, the coach, uh, and just made it clear he wanted out of here, and it worked. He got traded to Seattle. I think it's a win-win situation. It really is. Uh, the Jets were – even if even if he was on the team this year, Jamal Adams, I'm not sure how many more wins they would have had because they have so many other problems, and their pass defense is so bad, and Jamal Adams is – really best in the box, as you're seeing in Seattle, really good blitzer, really good run support. So I don't know how much he would have helped the Jets struggling pass defense. So I think it's a win-win. The Jets got two first-round picks, but they desperately need a third-round pick. And Seattle got the, the game-changing safety they so desperately wanted, who has really played well for them. So I think it was good for both teams. Well, Dan, we appreciate you taking time. You give George Fan a big hug for us. We miss him out here. Yeah, and uh, we appreciate you staying up and making some time for us, man. Uh, anytime, Michael and Paul. Give me a call anytime you need anything. All right, I'm going to hold you to it. I'll text you tomorrow. <laughs> okay. No, not financial, but anything else. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> All right. Have a good one. You too. Coming up next, we get to talk to a defensive back for the second week in a row, Paul Moyer. We get to talk to Ryan Neal right here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live, brought to you by Mac and Jack's Brewing Company. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle. Hey, we're back every Thursday right here, 7 o'clock on ESPN 710. It's me and Paul Moyer. Paul, how you doing? You good? I'm good. Look, you know me. Bring some safeties on. I'm a happy man. Bring some safeties. Speaking of safeties, we got the guy Ryan Neal. Ryan, how you doing, sir? Man, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Hey, that's what's up. First off, I want to show you love because you're an undrafted free agent. I was an undrafted free agent. Moria was an undrafted right free agent. We out here eating, baby. I love seeing you ball out, man. Right on, right on. <laughs> I heard that. Well, first of all, you've been uh, – so we have – I don't know if you know Jordan Babino, but we call him Big Play Babs. And Babs was an oh, undrafted yeah. free agent as well uh, and played uh, eight, oh, yeah. nine, eight, nine years. And, you know, he was he got that calling because – all he did was make plays. And, you know, here you, Ryan. I mean, that, you got a big brother, Mike Neal, right? I mean, mm-hmm. linebacker, just real quick, do you already talk some noise to him? You have more interceptions than he had in his career. Did you let him know that yet? Uh, I didn't even know that, but I still remember <laughs> the one that he did grab like it was yesterday. <laughs> yeah. No, you you have oh, more, yeah. th- more than him. I, again, he was a great player, went to Purdue. You, an Indiana kid, I'm, I'm assuming you grew yeah. up Indiana, Purdue as, as a fan yeah. as well? Yeah, I was I was definitely a Purdue fan. I was actually hoping to get some love from there, but it didn't turn out that way. <laughs> well, I had to keep it pushing. But, yeah, I definitely was a Purdue fan coming up. 
right, Ryan, man, you are from <laughs> Indiana. You went to Illinois, um, picked up by the Eagles, went down south to Atlanta. Now you're in the Northwest, man. How how do you like the Northwest? You feeling it? Man, the Northwest is a different vibe. I actually like it, man. It's, it's just kind of chill out here. Everything's kind of chill, and, it's, of course, it's beautiful. But the vibe is definitely cool. I've never been out west like this before, especially – you know, in this region, and it's definitely it's definitely been cool. It's kind of my style, man. Just slow down. Yeah, this time of year, I, I used to, um, one of the companies I worked for about 20-some years ago was in uh, Carmel, Indiana. Um, <clears throat> she used to go mm-hmm. out there a little bit. And the weather's sim- It gets a little colder in Indianapolis when you get, you know, towards January, February. But sim- some over oh, yeah. overcast. But what what is it like coming into a new city? This is so different with COVID. What, what are you able mm-hmm. to do? Are you guys allowed to do anything? No, we not, man. We got we we dedicated to just one mission and one goal, and that's just you know trying to win, trying to go all the way. Cause you know this year is, is more than just about winning games. You got to beat COVID too. So now you got more than you know thirty two opponents. You got another one. You know what I'm saying? So we just been fighting COVID this whole year, and you know everybody has been taking it upon themselves. You know, make sure they you know stay indoors and just refrain from going to just places in general. You know what I'm saying? Cause we we trying to we trying to win these games. We're trying to make sure we make a long haul and. You know, as you see, some of these teams will get hit. You know, they get hit with these outbreaks. They can't. They can't win these games. They don't have their guys. And it's like we, we see the bigger picture of it all. So it's kind of been different, man. You can't really get a feel for a lot because I mean, you're stuck indoors, and it's like you definitely do miss. You know, being able to go out and explore and go out to see what what what, what the city has to offer and everything. You know, it kind of sucks, but you know, we you deal with it and you got to move on because you know we're trying to win these games. And you guys have done a great job, man, of protecting the team and, and, and doing what you guys are supposed to do. Now, let's let's talk some yeah, ball, man. man. Uh, September 27th, I think that what oh, that Saturday you get the call that you were going to start against the Dallas Cowboys, and then you come out and you get a pick, and then you back it up the following week with a pick against Miami. How rewarding and validating was that? Like, look, I'm here. I can play in this league. Let's go. Man, it was like it was like taking a, like a deep breath, like just letting out all the like the, just tension and all that just letting it all go is why I can the best way I can put it is just you know after after being you know going through what I've been going through for the past three years man it's just it's a big sigh of relief for sure man it just felt like felt like I was alive again you know what I mean and it just it felt so refreshing it felt just so good because you know you've been trying to prove the point not only to yourself but to others that you can make plays in this league you know what I mean you're not just a guy that's on the practice squad and just going through the motions like you, you know you can play you know you can make plays and it just feels good to be able to have that stamped on there. You know what I'm saying? And then, like, man, I'm shoot, right now I'm getting all riled up again because I'm just starting to feel all the emotions again. But just making them plays, like, you know what I'm saying? Just That's what you do it yeah. for. That's what, that's what the excitement comes from. That's what the love of the game comes from. And I had that, you know, had that come around again. You know, it's been a while. You know what I mean? It's been a long time. And I had that to come back around. Man, it felt good. You know what I mean? So now I'm just itching for more. You know what I'm saying? I want to do more. I want to keep doing more. And I just want to keep making more of those plays. Uh, Red, where did you really almost give this game up? Oh, what now? Did we almost get this game up? Well, yeah, I'd, I'd heard Dude, that you were. I'm telling you, yeah, yeah, yeah I definitely did. Because you know, it, it just goes. It's, it's, I felt like at one point I was like, you know what? I give and give and give, and I feel like this game takes and takes and takes. You know what I mean? I just at one point I threw my hands up, like, man, what, what more do I got to give? You know, what more do I got to go through? What more do I got to sacrifice, you know, just to be able to get out there? You know what I mean? And it was definitely a point where I was like, I don't know about this. But, you know, I got people in my corner and, you know, just being, you know, faithful like I am, just like, you know what, nah, I can you just got to come back and try it again because if you quit, you never know. You know what I'm saying? So 
I'd rather go out and just keep on trying than to quit, and I never know if I could have did it. You know what I'm saying? So that's just kind of what got me back into it. Well, that was that was a good decision because you can play. Uh, there's there no question yeah. you can play, and, and, and you're making plays. But just bring you back there a little bit. You said you have some people in your corner. Who who are those? Is, is your brother Mike one of them? Or, I mean, who, oh, who got you? Absolutely. Hey, don't lose confidence yeah. in this thing. Oh, yeah. Mike, Mike is definitely – like number one, you know what I'm saying? You know, got, I mean, he he has been instrumental, you know, in my whole career. Even starting from college, even get my mind right, you know what I'm saying, to be able to compete at this level. I mean, he, he's by far number one in terms of giving me all the advice, knowing you know the ups and downs of the game, and knowing the game, and you know knowing the player's mind. You know what I'm saying? And to have him go through what he, you know, go through his career first, and him see the lay of the land, and he just he taught me a lot. And then after that will be, of course, my fiance and my family. Them, them next two, uh, you know, groups of people that definitely have been in my corner the entire time. My fiance here and be complaining, you know, crying, all that other stuff. And then, you know, my family's just always showing me the love and just giving me the support that I need and always, you know, being in my corner. So them three for sure, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's the first three people, you know, first three group of people I think about when it comes to people who have uh, supported me. So, heck yeah, for sure, those people. So Mike's about, what, seven, eight years older than you. Was he a tough big brother? I mean, talk about that relationship growing up. Uh, Again, I just want to get our listeners know. I mean, he was second-round pick, you know, went to Purdue, uh, linebacker. And so what what was that relationship like growing up? Well, so growing up, you know, you did mention seven, eight years apart. So growing up, he was more of, you know, my parents, when he had to work, he was babysitter. So he was brother-dad for me when I was a kid. You know what I'm saying? When I was a kid, it was me and my other two brothers, and then it was him and my big sister. They were like brother-dad and brother-mom. So, But the older I got and the more that we were able to, you know, talk and understand on the same kind of mature level, the more the relationship has grown. And it really took off. I think um, when he got to the league, because I just I always had an interest. Like it just, I always was observing and just watching what he was doing. I always asked the right questions, and he could kind of see that I was, you know, kind of thinking and like, you know, foreshadowing or just forethinking what I was, what I wanted to do. And so after that, you know, me going to college, you know, the, all those years in college, it was working. It became more from brother dad to now brother brother to now we relate. You know, we talk about everything that he went through in his years in college and his years in the league and all of that. And it, even up until the past three years, in the offseason, I trained down in Florida. He lives in Florida. He's, I, I live with him in the offseason. That's where I train at. And so those three years definitely were three years of just catching up on relationship and figuring out, you know, what he went through in his story and him sharing his experiences with me and vice versa. And so that relationship grew to be a whole lot stronger, you know, than I, than, than I ever anticipated and, it's, it's a beautiful thing, man. You know what I'm saying? Just to be able to, to, to relate to him on that brother-to-brother level instead of, oh, this dude just babysitting me. You know what I'm saying? Or just, he get to whoop my butt my parents in here. I ain't good on that one. You know what I'm saying? So, I love it. Heck yeah. But, yeah, our relationship is super cool. Hey, Ryan, before I ask you this next question, I want to go back, man. You're doing a great job. You showed your fiancé some love. I've been married 10 years. Moore's been married like 30 years or something 32. like that. Hey, you're, you're, you're doing it right, brother. You keep that going. All right, my next appreciate question for you is, Thank man, you. I appreciate that. you seem to be around the football, right? Against Miami, you had a 10. Mm-hmm. Um, against uh, the New York Giants, the Diggs interception was because you were at the, around the football and you tipped it. Is the game mm-hmm. slowing down for you, and what's your preparation like? Man, I definitely think it's slowing down for me. I've been, and I couldn't wait for the game to slow down. I'm telling you, you first get in, you just looking at it like, oh my god, what's going on? But now, you know, it's just man, just just being able to 
understand the game more, the, the game of football, what's trying to be accomplished, you know what I'm saying? Like, is it more about freak athletes or is it more about scheme or what, what's, what's going on? And so really um, who, who kind of helped me out with that was one was Cam when he had reached out to me after the Dallas game. And then uh, KJ Wright. And I, cause I just always, I, ha- I always have an issue just know the game. Like I like, that's the best way to play it. When you know what's going on, you really, you, you see everything. And so, just being around those guys and understanding what they look for in the film preparation and how they put themselves in those positions, that that really took my game to the next level. And I definitely want to give a shout-out to KJ because it was a string of weeks where I would come up there early and we were just, you know, watching game film. And he's just telling me how he sees the game and talking back and forth to camps. I'm like, okay, yeah, this is really starting to make a lot of sense now, you know. So they really helped me up my game to, to a whole new level. And, uh, you know, when it comes to my preparation, I just – I make sure I just keep going over, like, you know, just things that I see, like just trying to pick out little, little bits and pieces of information that I can definitely take with me to give me hints. You know what I'm saying? I definitely am a, I'm a person that rolls off the, if you see a little, you see a lot. You know what I'm saying? So I always try to focus on what's the little things that stick out to me on film that can give me the, the, the whole picture. You know what I'm saying? So that's kind of how I be, you know, take a lot preparation to the next level and try to get myself closer to make, like I said, making more plays. Ryan, you're becoming a bit of a fan favorite here with the 12s, and there's some history with the 12s. Uh, and it's a shame that you haven't had to ex- got to experience all of them here because they, they would be chanting your name. But the history is they love special team guys uh, that turn into to starters eventually. But, but the reason why I'm bringing this up is there are – I always tell you – when someone blocks a punt, one they're fearless because you're out in the, you're all by yourself. If you don't get it, you look bad, right? You rough the guy. Right. And two, it means you're a playmaker. So um, my question to you is: Have you blocked a punt before in a game? Is that something you were comfortable with? And and was that play designed for you last week? Okay, <laughs> I have never blocked a punt before. That was my first block punt ever. And uh, and you can, I mean, yeah, you can kind of say it was skinned up. I mean, it was kind of a if 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 you know they got to pick and choose. So it could have been somebody else. But man, I tell you, that was my first block. When I the funny thing was that you said you missed, you look bad. <laughs> when I was running toward the ball, I'm staring at the ball. I said, you know what? I don't care. If this ball hits me in the face. <laughs> I was gonna run straight at the ball. If I I do not want to be like that. Was the only thing on my mind. Now you're gonna you're gonna get another opportunity. I'm I'm, I'm gonna give you a tip when you get another shot at it. Don't block the ball. Right. Block his foot. Put your right. hand right, right on right, his right. foot. That is the key to blocking right. punts, and you'll never miss. You'll yeah. never, you'll never get a roughing the punter call. And that was such a huge play. And again, when you go in there Thank fearless you. and make a play, man, you you are a playmaker, man. Excited that you are here with us. Thank you, thank you for having me. I, I appreciate this, man, for real. I've been working a long time for sure. Hey, Ryan. You keep doing what you're doing. Undrafted free agent stand up. Thirty five. We'll be watching you, man. Have a good night. Man, thank y'all so much. Man, appreciate y'all. We're all the way. Let's go. Let's get it. Let's get it. It's right. Maury, that was probably one of my favorite. It's He's him, great. Ugo, Damian Lewis. I think that that's top three right there. Ryan Neal. Well, man, two of the three were safeties, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. All right, coming up next, we got you covered all things Seahawks and NFL. As the professor, John Clayton, joins us next on Hawks Live. 
Hawks Live, brought to you by Mac and Jack's Brewing Company. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle. Hey, we playing the funk. It's me, Michael Bumpers, with Paul Moyer every Thursday at Lumenfield, right here on 710 ESPN. We're getting funky, so that means John Clayton is here. John, how you doing, baby? Uh, I got some funk. I'm doing great. Doing great. Great. John, I, I'm just going to get right to it, John. Yeah. I am kind of nervous for this game. I look at the film. Come on. I look oh, at the on. film and Make I say, look, the Jets, the Jets aren't that good. The Hawks should really take care of them. But this is the NFL, John. They're 0-12, man. They're, they're due for a great game, right? They had it last week, and they lost. Greg Williams lost his job because the team with zero wins called a zero uh, blitz, uh, cover zero's blitz, with uh, virtually little bit of time, less than a minute left in the game, and lost the game because of it. And so if let's put it this way. Michael, if you're worried about the Jets, just give up on the season. Oh, because, again, it's like if, if, you, you, if you can't beat a winless team, how are you going to beat a playoff team? How are you going to beat a Rams team that right now is blowing out the New England Patriots and looking good on offense and defense? Maybe not as good on offense, but looking great on defense. If you have to worry about a Jets game, then you better worry, period. John, you know what you just did? What? You, you just patted me on the back and soothed me and told me everything's going to be okay. So because be. you said it, I'm going to relax now, John, on the palm oil. Well, got, I was going to say, Mike, relax. it's not purple and gold we're going up against, right? I'm 3-1 and against purple. I know. Oh, I know you are. And I took a punt back to the house on whatever Ooh, colors wait, Arizona State real quick, is. Wait. He's yeah, got that's, a that's not even a baby flex. That that's was a, a that was a big flex. <laughs> John, I, are we healthy? Uh, you know, last week, you know, obviously, right tackle became an issue. Mm-hmm. What is you know, you start getting down to the you know third, fourth. I thought we were fine until uh, Jamarco Jones uh, left there. But um, how healthy are we going into this? I game? think pretty good because if Brandon Shell's going to be able to play, which it looks like he is, and if Chris Carson's close to not a hundred percent, but close to being you know the back that can get over sixteen carries a game game, then they should be fine. You know, they're one week away from uh, Dunbar coming back, and that's good. And of course, they've got Carlos Dunlap. Looks like you know he's going to be able to play more than 20 plays. So from that standpoint, health-wise, I think they look good. You know, you know it's still, you know, you got a few guys that are banged up, but for the most part, I mean, I'm sure Jamarco Jones with the groin injury probably is not going to be able to play. But I think overall, as long as Brandon Shell plays, and that's the thing that's so intriguing about this game, because you look at the Jets team and how bad they are, both as far as performance and their talent level and you look at the Seattle right now has picked up three players from the Jets that have helped them a lot I mean Jason Myers is a has been to the Pro Bowl as a kicker mm-hmm. then you've got uh, Jamal Adams who's probably the best safety in the league and is on the verge of setting the safety record for sacks I mean seven and a half sacks right now he needs a half sack to tie Adrian Wilson and most people in New York thinks that he can get maybe two or three sacks in this game and then you know you add the fact that Brandon Shell was probably the best Seahawk acquisition as far as uh, signing as far as uh, you know, on the offensive line. And so you add those three guys and you look at the Jets. I mean, the only Pro Bowl player they have on the 53-man roster is 37-year-old running back Frank Gore. All right, John. Everyone's trying to place blame on last week's loss. Oh, it's Russell. Oh, it's shoddy. It's this, it's that. I think it was a team loss. 
What are your thoughts? It was a team loss, no doubt about it, because I like the comment that Shaquille Griffin made today, said that he just, they thought they took the Giants for granted, and I think that might have been the case. I didn't think the mentality of this team would allow that to happen, but it might have done that. I think that you can see that, you know, they were out of characteristic as far as what they were doing as far as their offensive play calling. You know, they called, I thought, too many outside runs. You know, certainly on the short yardage situations, they just didn't do the right things. Russell Wilson held on to the ball too much to a point where he had 3.38 seconds as far as his average time as far as releasing the ball. That was the worst in the league last year. I mean, they had a bad game, and so, uh, you know, but I think that it was more than anything else. I mean, Russell did have a bad game. Let's not, I, you know, stay away from that. I mean, you can't have five sacks for 45 yards. That's five killer drives that you're doing, and, of course, you only get like 10 to 12 in a game, so that wasn't good. And, of course, their third-down conversions have got to improve on offense and defense because that's something that I think that you can see they're now 38.7% on third down conversions on offense but again you know Russell Wilson's one of the best in football and fixing things up after something bad and he'll fix some things up this week uh, John's reading some stuff on Daryl Taylor this this week and you know just trying to read between the lines it it, it sounds like the Seahawks maybe think that he's okay but Daryl, you know, I think went got checked uh, with some outside um, or third 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 opinions on that, and he's not feeling right yet. What, what, what's the story going on there that you heard? I, I think the big story was in the off season, you know, with no. Uh, you know, limited number of visits you can have to the doctor because of the pandemic. And I think he, he just kind of fell behind because, remember, the surgery was in January. And so he probably didn't get enough doctor treatment to get him through this injury. And so that put him behind. And, of course, he hasn't had a setback or anything like that. But I think it's so slow in coming up. So it sounds like he's getting closer. I mean, you know, we saw Rashad Penny now starting to come back and be on the field. And I know that Chris Carson said good things about him. You know, it sounds like they're pretty close to getting Daryl on the field. Now, will that mean he's going to do something in the regular season? Maybe not, because, again, it's like if you bring him on the roster, you have to take somebody off the roster, and who's that going to be? It's like the same thing with Rashad Penny. You figure that he'll be on the roster, but what running back or what other position do you let go? But I think in the end, you know, it shows that as you get closer to the playoffs, that now you have a few more assets that you can have available, and that also includes Josh Gordon. John, every now and then I look like I know what I'm talking about. If you ask my wife, that's never. But when it comes to football, every once in a while, and I said that Jalen Hurts was going to start for the Eagles this year, do you feel like that is the right move? Uh, I think it's probably a week or two too late the way that Carson Wentz was going. And so, yes, I mean, I think that I don't know if he's earned any chance to be able to do it, but I think you can see as bad as Carson Wentz was, and you have to uh, understand that he's probably one of the worst quarterbacks in football this year, which is amazing when you think how talented he is. And, of course, the surrounding talent doesn't help him out. But, uh, no, I think that Jalen can try to see what he can do. Now, the question is, with limited resources at wide receiver, with a bad offensive line a limited running game and banged up tight ends can he do anything and probably not and what i worry about is ferndale's doug peterson could lose his head coaching job if he does i think he's going to be one of the most popular guys as far as getting a head coaching job for other teams john i got lots of questions for you but because of time i've got to oh, flip no. the switch on you oh darn no well, i mean we got time that's why i want oh, to get okay. to it now is what do you want to talk about that uh 
no one's been asking you. Well, because Brandon Bean got a contract extension this year that equals what Sean McDermott was able to get with the uh, Buffalo Bills. I'm sure it's probably in that low $3 million a year range. And so what nobody's asked me about is, okay, where do we stand right now with John Snyder? Because John is not a free agent or anything like that. He's in an option year. But I'd have to think right now that uh, they've got to be working on it to try to match the Pete Carroll contract because, you know, Pete got the five-year extension. And so my guess would be that they've got to get something close to getting him a five-year extension. He's so important. You look at the additions. I mean, the fact that here's a team that you know everybody was criticizing John Snyder for, for not getting Jadeveon Clowney and not getting pass rush and everything else. Well, guess what? You know, with all the moves that he's made with Jamal Adams and Benson Mayoa and certainly getting Carlos Dunlap, they've added 17 sacks. And that's as much as any team as far as additions right now. So I think it's time right now for John Snyder to get an extension. Hey, John, you've, you know, pro football focus. Yeah. The reason I'm bringing that up is do they have something like that for GMs? Because I'm looking at John Snyder. First of all, the amount of Hall of Famers he's going to have under his watch is amazing. What he's done, I mean, we just had Ryan Neal on. I mean, what a find. I mean, here's a guy, Southern Illinois, on practice squads, and he's become the new big play Babs of our generation, right? I mean, do they have anything out there that actually there's a way to put some substance to this? Yeah, I mean, not pro football focused, but there's some a- other analytical sites that you know start you know uh, the number of Pro Bowl players that have been taken and you know the additions and things like that. And so, I mean, he wins in so many of those categories. And again, you think about the idea that what he's been able to add on the defensive side of the ball, as far as numbers. I mean, the fact that he gets DJ Reed from San Francisco and recognizes how good he was. The fact, okay, it didn't work out for BJ Finney, but I mean, he recognized that Brandon. Shell and Finney were the two guys that he wanted, and Shell has done so much better. And then you look at the Jets team right now that, again, this team has added more from the Jets than the Jets have right now. So, no, I think that there's analytical sites that help that out, but they don't seem to go ahead and you know promote who are the best. And that's a shame because John Snyder, you know, Brandon Bean's probably going to be the uh, GM of the year this year, executive of the year. But I think John Snyder's done such a great job. I'm with you, John. Snyder has done a great job. As always, Clayton, you do a great job. We appreciate you taking time tonight. You have a good one, man. Hey, thank you. All right. Did the Giants outscheme the Seahawks? Is there a simple solution to fixing the Seahawks offense? Is the NFC East better than what we thought? Paul Moyer and I turn up the heat as we talk that talk. Coming up next on Hawks Live.